I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night with a favorite, Sarah Goldberg, who absolutely crushes it from beginning now to the end of Barry, congratulations on four stellar seasons. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show. You say thank you now, but you haven't played dicey questions. I know. You realize that this part I'm dreading. <laughs> a lot of them are are leaning towards Barry, Barry theme. So we'll see okay. what we wind up. But you know the rules, three rolls on the tower that each correspond to a random question I have. And that is where our conversation begins. You got it. All right. First up. We are kicking this off with a number three. Ooh, this is my new favorite question. If you could swap roles with anybody in the Barry Ensemble to play one specific scene of theirs, who would you pick and why? Ooh, that's such a good question. Well, my instinct is to say Noho Hank, just because I think it'd be the most fun. And a particular scene, oh my goodness. Um, there's so many brilliant ones. Maybe when I think it's season two, when he goes into Lululemon with the wig. Um, I feel like I feel like season four was so heavy for me. It would be nice to go do some clowning around in a wig. I mean, I guess I had a wig too. Different kind of wig. Very different. I think that is a rock solid pick right there. You now have your second role on the tower. Okay. I love this tower. Where did you find this? So this is a somewhat custom made tower. I really wanted one that looks like Jurassic Park and someone had like a dinosaur Jurassic Park gate on <laughs> Etsy like that. And I just had them put ladies night instead of what was originally on the top of the tower. I love Etsy. Anything you need can be found on Etsy. <laughs> I'm on Etsy spending way too much on Etsy. <laughs> All right, we are up to number six. This one is perfect because you just brought up NoHo Hank, and this okay. is kind of uh, tied to him. This is called Dave and Buster's. So in honor of Hank, what is your favorite game at Dave and Buster's, and are you actually good at it? You know what? As a Canadian who lives in England, I have never been to a Dave and Buster's. 
Well, I should have said the Dave and Buster's scene just so that I could visit Dave and Buster's. I retract my original answer. Going to do Dave and Buster's. Would it be like a Chuck E. Cheese? Would they have like ski ball? Oh yes. Okay, then I would go ski ball. I'm always, I'm, I always love ski ball. It's very addictive. Reminds me of bowling. You know, I fail miserably. So I have a I have a good friend who plays in an actual skee ball league, and I used to think I was good at that kind of stuff until I went and watched one of their matches. It's intense. So there's like a real skill set you can develop as a skee ball player because I thought there was some random luck in there. <laughs> they have they have like proper stances and it's form like bowling just to to make sure that you know for for me in my head it's like the thumb leads. Wow, and they're like hitting those hundreds every time. Pretty much, yeah. The, the scores they get are, are absolutely wild. I can't yeah, I know what it. I'm going to do in my next uh, stint between jobs. I want to take some skee-ball lessons. Next time you're out, come join us for a skee-ball tournament yeah. because I will suck, so I think that will make you feel better. About <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you got one more roll in the tower. We are wrapping this up with a number two. Oh, you got a lot of my silly questions. So this is the newest Dice Tower question because this happened to me while I was writing questions for a recent ladies night. This one is just called Spider. And I think this says a lot about someone. So you are home alone. You see a gigantic spider. What do you do about it? Well, this is going to be quite an embarrassing, vulnerable story, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you when I was staying in LA this season for season four, I was in this lovely little cottage in Venice, but I was really homesick. I really missed my husband and I really missed my dog and this really big, quite beautiful, harmless looking spider uh, moved into the corner of the bedroom and I actually named it. <laughs> I think it was Pete. And it was my pet for season four. Not even joking you. We were having chats. Pete was there for like a good 45 days, I would say. And then one day Pete like disappeared. It got a little tense at times. Like there was another spider for a while and it was like David Attenborough. They were like going at each other. I didn't know if one was going to eat the other one or it was a mating ritual. Anyway, I miss Pete. He just disappeared on me. But yeah, so probably as a Canadian, I would keep it and name it. Yeah, tragic. I know. No, it's not. This answer makes me so happy because I am very much against the like smush it and trash it method. I, I do the double cup and I just I take it outside and I set it free. Double cup is good. I often do. Yeah, large glass cup. Like if it's a scary one, Pete was like very friendly and slept a lot. I think. But if it's like a really kind of mobile one with fangs, yeah, I try to get a big glass cup and then put the paper under the cup, like a thin sheet of paper, get it out. Yeah, that's 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 the move. I can't kill them. I respect, I respect literally everything about this answer. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would share that to anyone, let alone to the internet. <laughs> I feel like I am the right person to have delivered that to, and Ladies yeah. Night is the right for such a story. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We have hit the meat of our interview, and if you've watched some episodes, you know where it begins. What is the movie, the performance, personal experience, you name it, that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Oh, my God. Wow. Um, well, I've always, I honestly don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't acting. Um, so 
I wish I tried out more things as a child, <laughs> but I really, from a very young age, I caught the bug and I was really obsessed with acting. I'd say that when I was um, around 12, we got this incredible drama teacher at our school. He came, he was like the king of the fringe in Canada. His name was Michael Wiener, is Michael Wiener, he's still there. Um, he was this incredibly passionate teacher and he had this big mop of curly hair and he swore in class, you know, like it was, he was crazy. And he was so passionate about theater. And if, if you were serious about theater, he was serious about you. And we must have done, I don't know, a dozen productions between grade eight and 12. And I, the first one we did together was The Visit. But I'd say it was, we were doing The Diary of Anne Frank and, um, yeah, and I was playing Mrs. Van Dam, and uh, I think that that was the first play that I did where I thought, you know what, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. Just because you're an earlier thing you brought up in that answer made me think of this. If you had the opportunity to learn a new skill or about a different profession through a role now, what would you choose? God, anything. My husband and I were just saying, why didn't we go to medical school or law school? What were we thinking? No, I feel like I would love to do some, learn to do something very practical, like something survival based. Like I'd love to learn how to fish like really well. I mean, I won't kill spiders, but I guess, I guess I could learn to fish. None of this is tracking. <laughs> I have yellow jackets on the brain because that season is also coming to a close. And and I, I often think when I watch, you know, disaster films or stranded in the wilderness type stories, yeah. what would I, I am physically fit. I can run. But what would I do if I was in that situation? Because I can't start a fire. I can't cook for myself in that environment. I can start a fire. I'm good with fires. Again, Canadian upbringing, lots of camping. But that it, my experience sort of ends there. So, do you? What would? What can? Can you do anything? If you and I were trapped, I could build a fire. What would you do? Well, I can't. I mean, I just said I can't cook in that environment. I can't cook in any environment. Right. I, I could probably. I could probably like physically assist with things. Like, right. like I work out. I can lift things. You I can lift the firewood. You're yeah, great. Probably, great probably. We would have a fire, but nothing to eat at that fire. <laughs> We'd be warm and starving. <laughs> um, going back to studying your craft in school. So I know ultimately you went on to study at uh, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. So can you tell me something that you learned in that program that you still find yourself referring back to and using to this day, but then also I want something that all the schooling in the world never could have prepared you for when you hit your first professional set or stage, I guess. Uh, um, that's a great question. Well, um, I think the thing that really stuck with me the most was just learning to make a fool of myself. I think that acting in many ways you know, the thing that's hardest about it is that it's very embarrassing at times. And you really have to kind of get out of your own way and allow yourself to become these other people and let these stories kind of channel through you. And I feel like in theater school, we had to do all sorts of crazy things from clown to something called Buffon, which is like, you know, from um, physical theater training. It's sort of like crazy, dark, twisted characters. And we had to do all sorts of things in, in front of each other and fail spectacularly on a regular basis. And so you just get rid of that feeling of, of, of embarrassment. You're just able to humiliate yourself in public. And you know, that comes in handy in the job. <laughs> so that, that really has stuck with me and that, you know, especially on Barry, you know, there was, 
a real kind of best idea wins attitude on set. But in order to get that best to that best idea, sometimes it felt like we had to throw out 10 bad ideas, you know, and you have to have the guts to kind of swing big and miss to kind of, to get to the place that we would ultimately get to. So that is something I really picked up in theater school. Something that I couldn't have been prepared for. I mean, there's so many things to be honest, because as lovely as theater school training is, I mean, what a joy to prance around in tights all day from eight to eight and, you know, make little plays with your friends. Um, nothing can really prepare you for being an actor, the life of an actor. And that one of the hardest parts about being an actor is the time that you're not working and understanding what to do with that time and being able to fill yourself up creatively, to feel like a productive member of society to not lean into wearing your bathrobe into the mid afternoon, you know, so that I think took me a while to learn how to use my downtime. Well, um, it often involved like signing up for classes, you know, guitar lessons or something where you felt like there's some kind of creative output just for that's for yourself really. Um, and yeah, I think the other thing that they really can't prepare you for is, is interviews and press, you know, in that you never realize that you're going to end up talking about a thing more than doing the thing itself. <laughs> so that, that part of it is something they also can't train you for. And, um, yeah, it's a whole other part of the job so that you can really only learn with practice, I suppose. Oh, I have so many follow-ups right now, but I'll just say that and all ways of discussing your craft are, are valid, but I always got the sense that your way of discussing like your techniques and your goals are very much aligned with, I don't know, the way I like to dig into them and highlight them on ladies night. And you're so articulate in the way you explain all of that. So I don't know, job very well done in that, in that well, department. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Going back to the first half of that answer, can you give me a specific example of a time on the set of Barry when you thought you failed, but that failure wound up paving the way to something that was great, but unexpected? Well, the hardest thing I had to shoot for the entire series, four seasons of this show with all the highs and lows and all the genres we explored, honestly, the hardest thing to shoot was this season episode four when I'm on the set of mega girls and Sally has to turn this terrible speech intentionally terrible. They, our writers did a beautiful job of writing a very piss poor speech um, that I then had to turn into, you know, something theatrically viable. And I, it's like trying to rehearse the text. But I just, I do not know what to do with this. And I was trying to treat it like a Shakespeare soliloquy, you know, and trying to give the words the same kind of emphasis and weight, but it was so tough. And I, I got to set and I was really like, Bill, I can't do this. Like, I actually don't think I can do it. Um, and he's like, he was very encouraging. And he was like, you can, you can make something of this. So that, that was the one that was the hardest one. And I, we don't do many takes on Barry and I, I can't remember, but I, I felt like I had to do that one again and again. And then in the shooting of it, Bill discovered the gag that if I just, as I turned to try to impress Sean Hader, if I just stepped a little bit to my right, I would totally eclipse Ellen Jameson, the lovely Ellen Jameson who played Kristen so brilliantly, even though she's about a foot taller than me and especially in those boots, like a foot and a half taller than me. But if I just stepped to the right, I would eclipse her in like a pure Sally 
narcissistic grabbing her moment moment um and so the comedy of that i could hear people laughing at the monitor and i didn't know why um but i was saved by the blocking <laughs> yeah it's so. funny you bring that scene up you have so many exceptional ones in this series that one in particular is is a personal favorite given where she's at in her life and how well it reflects what she's willing to do to you know get what she wants and also explore her craft more yeah i love i love the writing in that scene i just thought it was brilliant and there's so much fun commentary within that you know even the set everything and and we like built a marvel set basically on our stages like we hadn't walked into a set like that i mean it was this huge blue mountain and you know it was so cool like that's that reaction i have when i walk into the studio and say you know holy shit i mean it was genuine we we hadn't built something quite that ambitious um on our stages and until later when they built that sand pit i mean that was wild when the guys go through the sand which they shot for real those stunt actors i don't know how they did it it wasn't real sand it was some other material that they could safely inhale but that for me was like the claustrophobia of doing that. But they they did it and it looked amazing. But yeah, it was that that scene with Mega Girls I loved. And I love that we had Sean Hader. She was amazing. And yeah, it was such a fun shoot. The writing was so clever. Oh, great. Now that sand pit scene will give me even more anxiety than it already does. No. They built this like giant funnel. When I saw it, I was like, oh my God, you're not really gonna do it, are you? So there's obviously like there's a little bit of special effects at the end when the sand like fills, but otherwise it's a real stunt. They really went through the thing open, they landed on some kind of giant mattress. I mean, I, I couldn't show up to set that day. I, my nerves wouldn't have helped anyone. <laughs> and I'm like, that makes me nervous. But as you were explaining it, I'm like, I kind of want to go on that ride. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess if you treat it like a really masochistic theme park ride, then maybe that's how you psychologically get through. I don't know. <laughs> that's the next phase of Barry. Next thing up is they're going to open a Barry theme park. No, that should, that should never happen. <laughs> I just love this show. Going back again. So it's it's one thing to say, I want to be an actor. It's another when you step on a stage or set, you feel real confidence in your craft. So do you remember the first time that happened when you tapped into something that you were doing on like such a deep level that you knew you could reach it and that became a creative itch you had to keep scratching no matter what? Gosh, your questions are so um, wonderful and large. I, I, you're gonna, I'm gonna be thinking about this for days. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, because I'd done so much theater as a kid, so much amateur theater, you know, but because of that amazing teacher I mentioned, you know, he treated us like professionals and taught us a really strong work ethic. I always knew where I was on a stage, you know, like I, I, I of course, I get opening night nerves like anyone and, and all of that, but I, I understood where I was. I, I understood the wings and the feel of it and the, you know, the sort of moments before and you're in the darkness and you can feel the audience coming in. I, I really got the rhythm of it. And the beauty about being on stage is, you know, it's a team sport. It's like once you get on, no matter how nervous you are, as long as you put your focus into the story and all of your other actors on stage with you, you can completely forget yourself. And, and I, I love the theater because of that. It's like you're in this the whole world goes quiet. Everybody's phones are off. And, you know, it's this, there's this t 
tiny focal point in a world of chaos. There's just this quiet story going on somewhere in a dark room and everybody's agreeing somehow, this like silent contract that we're just going to sit and tell this story and listen to this story and we're all going to connect. And it's so, it's so simple. So I think my, my confidence in that came through my love of it and, and also the sort of simplicity of it. It's, it's such a, it's the oldest thing we've done and as a species, you know, since we could build a fire, as we now know you and I can alone in the woods, um, <laughs> you know, we, we got up and, and told stories to each other. So it's so simple. Film and TV, whole different ballgame. I, I, for years, was terrified of the camera, terrified. And I thought, I'm going to be an actor, but I'm just going to be broke for the rest of my life because I'm only going to do stage. I can't act on screen. I can't do it. Um, I was always so nervous going into auditions as soon as there was a machine in the room. It was like it punctured that thing I'm describing of everybody coming together. And I really had to learn over the years to love the machine. And the way the way I've sort of achieved that, I think, is understanding the person behind the machine and that they are very much a part of this collective too. So like on Barry seasons three and four, we had the most incredible camera A operator, a guy called Don Devine lives up to the name. He shot all of Mad Men. He's like the best in the biz. And Don, you know, is there with this giant piece of machinery, but Don is as focused as I am on these tiny little minutia moments of the story we're trying to tell. So as soon as I could put my focus into the fact that Don is as focused as I am and we're together trying to make sure this story gets told the same way you would do in a play, all those nerves kind of went away and I was able to enjoy being on camera and find a kind of different way of performing. And there's an intimacy you can have on camera that you can't have on stage. And so, an actual like pinpoint moment, I don't know. I can tell you there were a lot of years, like I did guest parts on like elementary and I had a tiny part in a series over here called Any Human Heart. I remember having these amazing 1950s costumes, but all I remember was being petrified. I just remember being petrified. And also there were so many people on set and I didn't know what everybody's job was. And it's not like your first day on a film or TV set, somebody holds your hand and says, okay, this is a gaffer. This is what a gaffer does. This is, you know, and you're sort of, you're lost. And so it took years for me to understand, you know, what everybody does. And once I understood everybody's role, then we just became this giant undulating octopus where you're like, okay, there's all these arms to this thing. And actually it's very much like doing a play. Um, so yeah, particular moment, no, but, but sort of, all the moments accumulated. Uh, I got my I got my sea legs eventually in front of the camera. And now the beauty of being on camera is if you mess it up, you can do it again. <laughs> so, you know, there's no reason to be nervous because you can just stop and start over. <laughs> there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So taking a step forward now, you, you got your sea legs and you yeah. booked Barry. This is one of my yeah. new favorite questions to ask because I feel like as, as the outsiders, as the people watching actors go through these experiences, our perception of it can be very different from what you're feeling. So I'm curious about your experience breaking out in the industry. So as it applies to booking Barry and that show taking off and becoming like an absolute phenomenon, what is something about having a breakout opportunity that I guess falls in the misconception category, but then on the other hand, what is something in terms of like you going after your goals in film and television that changed for the better because of Barry's success? That's a great question. I mean, you know, having done theater for close to a decade at the start of my career, I, I felt very lucky. I had this a big career, big, big jobs, big roles, wonderful plays. And nobody knew who I was, you know, you'd, you'd come out at stage door and there'd be people there, you know, maybe wanting to sign their, you'd sign their playbill, but then you get on the subway and you're just part of the tapestry of the city and you go home and you live your normal life. And I really appreciated that. Um, and but also I was getting to a point where the theater roles I was going for were drying up because those roles would go to movie stars. And ultimately, you know, you need a certain amount of visibility in this job to keep working. So it was, it was challenging. I felt like if I, if I didn't move into film and TV, I wasn't going to be able to sustain a career. Um, and we know I was scared of the camera. So there were a lot of hurdles. Um, but once, once it sort of, once Barry took off, you know, there was two and a half years between my audition and the first episode airing. So again, it was like we'd done this little, it was like we'd done this little play in Pasadena or something, you know, and Henry Winkler just happened to be in it. <laughs> we got lucky. And it was like, you know, this private little thing we'd done. And and we didn't share it with the world for so long. So when ultimately when it came out, it was incredibly surreal. Uh, it was surreal for me to be recognized in public and it was confusing. You know, I think that that's the, maybe the misconception is like when, when you see someone that you admire from TV or, or someone that is, you know, a character that you love and, you're sort of, you know, it happens to me that if I see someone who, who I admire, you, you kind of have this experience where you think they know you're having, I don't know if I'm going to make sense here. You think they know you're having that experience. Like surely they know they're this famous actor, you know, but it's like, if I walk into the grocery store, I'm not thinking about Sally or Barry. And so then somebody else is having this experience that I'm not having. And it would take me a while to catch up and understand like, oh, you're, you, you watch Barry. Like I just, I was, I was very slow on the uptake really. Um, so, you know, the other thing I'll say is just that um, most people who watch Barry are, you know, and want to come over and say something. It's so lovely. Like people just usually want to say, I love the show. And that's so kind. And I really appreciate that. Occasionally 
people might not understand like that I'm a person <laughs> and um, you know, I was on an airplane once and this guy like ripped my headphones off my head and started saying, I love you. I, I-, I love you. And I was so frightened. Um, and-, and then I realized what was happening and you know, I- and I sort of tried to set a boundary a little too late and say like, Oh, I so appreciate that you love the show, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a movie here. <laughs> like I was trying, you know, trying to, I-, I didn't know how to respond in that moment. I think if there's any kind of like physical, like if somebody grabs you, like any human, you're thrown by that. So that's the part of it that is less enjoyable. Um, the great part about, you know, doing something like Barry though, is that it doesn't, you know, I don't, I feel like, I feel like people are so invested in the story. I, I haven't really felt like people are curious in a voyeuristic way about me. They just want to know about the show. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I, I also live in the UK. So one, the show's not watched as much over here, but also Brits, you know, they're over it. They they don't care. <laughs> they, they like, you know, acting over here is like plumbing. It's just like a part of society. We're like responsible for declogging like the emotional toilets of the world, you know? So so like people are people are very relaxed about seeing actors. It's just not it's not really a thing. So I hope that answers your question. Was there a second part that I missed? No, it, it very much does. I mean, well, it very much did. It did on multiple levels too, which I really appreciate. I want to go back to something that you had brought up, uh, I believe doing the the audition and then it taking so long for the world to finally see Barry. It's just making me wonder, what is the biggest difference between how you played Sally back then and then I guess who she became the more you dug into the character and explored her situation? Well, I think in the beginning I was more nervous and I think also coming from theater I always felt like I needed to be overly overly prepared and like Bill and I were like opposite ends of the spectrum like he'd come to set and not know his lines and I'm like Bill I know you wrote it but like you gotta learn your lines like we can't get through the scene and like I would come so hyper prepared like for a play and he'd be like you need to throw it away like don't worry you don't have to stick to the script and you don't so some somewhere along the way we met in the middle and I think it was like really good for me to learn how to let go essentially. Like, I feel like I, the first couple of seasons, yeah, I just really, really, really was overly prepared all the time. Like, you know, A plus student. And I think, you know, acting isn't about being an A plus student really. Um, And I think that in the last couple of seasons, I felt this huge creative freedom set in once I realized we're in this space that you can't fail, you know, you can't embarrass yourself. Um, I felt like you could try anything on that set. We were so supported by each other, by our crew. And so I I felt like a lot looser as a performer and that was really uh, liberating for me. I don't want to sound lazy, but there were then times when I'd show up basically completely unprepared and to, to kind of take the risk and go, you know, let's see what we can find in the moment. And with Barry, we did always have rehearsals, which was lovely. And we we always connected and talked about the scenes ahead of time. Like that part is really important and I don't think you can throw away. But, you know, in terms of actually rehearsing specifically lines and how you're going to deliver them and, and that kind of thing, like finessing a performance, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't come in with my performance ready. I would find it on the day. And that was like a big 
that was a big leap and a big change in the way that I work. And I felt lucky to be on a set that that felt very supported. And we were able to surprise ourselves a lot. And that that was thrilling. Oh, with that mentality, I'm so curious to hear your answers about some of my like hyper specific questions. I'll, I'll begin with something that happens in season two. We talked a little bit about this moment at the junket, but I did want to follow up on the whole uh, I feel safe with you line because I keep thinking about how safety can mean something to a whole bunch of people in different situations. So in that moment, what kind of safety do you think that Sally expects to get from Barry? And at that point, are there any red flags that could threaten that safety that she even has on her mind? I think there's such a tragedy to that line, you know, and it was a later addition that we added because uh, the first thing I shot in the season, the very first thing I shot was the end of episode four, when I see Barry totally beaten black and blue and say, you know, let's go. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a leap. Um, and we need to build a few stepping stones to this leap to track what is going on with Sally to get there. And so the, the prison scene seemed like the obvious place where we could connect with her inner psyche and what was going on for her, that she ends up in a place that she goes with him. And, you know, I feel safe with you in some ways is maybe something in life that you, you would feel internally not say out loud. Um, but we felt we needed to share it with the audience. Um, and I feel like for her, you know, at the end of season three, she's committed this, crime and she's murdered someone. And unlike the other characters in the show, she's not someone who lives in a world of crime and has a profession that revolves around crime. She's an ordinary person um, who, who, who murders someone. So she's the first character that we're seeing having to process that in real time. And Barry was the only witness to the crime, an accomplice, you might say. And, um, and she knows now that the, the this man was only pursuing her or or they only ended up in that horrible situation because of him and and his, his what he's previously done in his life so she i think she felt like you know he's seen her most animal self her most horrible side the ugliest person she could be and he's choosing to love her anyway and i think sadly it's a bit of a bear trap you know but she she needs that security, someone who's accepting her, you know, the whole Sally's whole arc in a lot of ways is about looking for a place of acceptance. And, you know, she's in many ways, such a tragic character. And she, I think she needs that to be seen in that light. And he's the one who can offer that. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is sadly, I think, because she's somebody who comes from an abusive relationship and she's, she's played out that dynamic before she's sadly not seeing the red flags and she's falling into the same kind of cycle and she ends up in another abusive relationship, you know, albeit a different type of abuse, more psychological form of abuse than physical, but she's still very much in that with him. So yeah, it's a big relief to see her at the end of eight, turn down that date. <laughs> Good for Sally. Oh my God. I just love how like, like, quick and and with authority that line is delivered it's not like wavering she's like like no yeah. i don't want this and it <laughs> even like with a hint of joy not in a rude way just like i think there's a bit of joy and relief in saying no you know and knowing that she can so yeah i feel like maybe sally's had some therapy between episodes or between the time jump and eight you know i don't know <laughs> to learn to say no big step <laughs> 
except for Sally. It's a hard thing for anybody in any situation to figure out how to say that. So I love seeing something like that represented in this show. Yeah. Let's, let's go to episode six. I'm, I'm curious about the hallucination sequence because I was reading an interview that Bill did where he was explaining that originally that was a drastically different scene. I don't know if you ever started prepping for that other version of the scene, but if you had, what was it like getting the update on that and kind of, I don't know, reframing for yourself what that moment meant for her? In six, when she's being followed and by the man and the yeah. and, and then the and car and drives, drives into the car. Yes, I mean, when I read it on the page, I thought this is wild. I guess we're in a horror movie now. <laughs> um, and you know, it was so beautifully choreographed, like a waltz. And shooting it, we shot it in two completely separate sections, two weeks apart, because the bit that I'm in the bedroom and the room completely tilts, we had to do on a gimbal. So, and there was no way to schedule it in a way that we could do it back to back. So for me, like the acting challenge was maintaining that energy. Don't worry, I didn't for two weeks. <laughs> hold on to that tense space. Um, I definitely let it go, but asked to watch dailies when we got back to go like, where did we leave this at? You know, how do we continue this? And I feel like what's beautiful about that sequence is the ambiguity of it. And what was different from what we'd initially set out to do and where we ended up was we were a little more prescriptive with the audience as to that, what it was and the fact that it was in her mind potentially. And ultimately we removed the scene that sort of gave that exposition away um, in order to leave it ambiguous. It's really kind of up to the audience to decide whether this is really happening or whether Sally's really losing her mind. I have my own theories about it. And I, I do think that she's really cracking up and it's all in her mind. And there's there are a couple of clues in there. Like if you notice the tire comes through the wall, but then when we cut to that shot again, the wall is clean. So there's, you know, there's, there's little hints that perhaps this is really only in her mind, but it's, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it's like, that's the, I feel like that's the beauty of it. It's like, whether it happened or it didn't happen, happen, she's in this kind of wild state of mind. And, um, that takes us to, to, you know, back to Los Angeles eventually. And yeah, it was, it was a crazy thing to shoot. It was, you know, I was reflecting a lot while we were shooting it, like, as I was trying to put together that gun and hold it, I was like, God, I really signed up for a comedy. And um, <laughs> I, I guess this, this is not that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was such a thrill. Like, it's such a joy as an actor to read a script and every episode is like a different genre. And you're going, God, what are we going to do next? It's, it was thrilling. That's what keeps me so engaged and invested. And I just like so thrilled from a creative uh, perspective too. There's really no other show like this. And that's a big reason why I love it. I appreciate that so much. I really do. Yeah, it's a special, special thing for all of us. So it's so lovely when, when people appreciate it. All right, so jumping full force into the finale now. One particular scene I have to ask you about. I'm very, I don't, this might be more of a Bill question, but it's the conversation that Sally has with John about what it means to be a fugitive and what his parents had done. And just yeah. the way that whole conversation is captured is absolutely fascinating. And again, the blocking is spot on where we get most of that from behind the two of you, but. I like, I can't explain why, but you turn just the right moment where everything that follows kind of cuts through in a different way. Yeah, I really thought that was interesting. Bill pitched to me like, we're going to start the shot on your back. 
And I, you know, I love that. I love, I love, first of all, I love on Barry that we, we shot so many scenes in oneers, you know, um, sometimes that would be planned in the coverage and sometimes that would be something that would surprise us on the day and we would move away from coverage that was planned and, and shoot something in a one or very theatrically, you know, like a play. And I, I thought it was such a smart choice because it's the first time in the whole series really where Sally drops everything and is completely honest with herself, with her son. And she's having these realizations in real time as well about what kind of person she is, what kind of person this little boy is that she made, who she has never even fully taken in. And it's, it's, a, it was a very moving scene on the page and, and, you know, a, a big shift for her as a character. So, um, it was a challenging scene and, and again, one that I didn't come in with a plan on because I thought I can't, I can't overthink this. It's gotta be something that we find in the space with Zach, the lovely little boy who was playing John. And, um, and so this idea of starting with the, my back to camera, I thought was just the way to go. And for me, going all the way back to my fear of cameras, which I've since overcome, um, you know, it gave me this privacy, right? Like, it's like, you know, sometimes you're shooting a really private moment and behind the camera, there's, you know, 50 people and everybody's frozen in a funny position. And, you know, the, the big acting job is pretending not to see that, you know? Um, and so I didn't have anything to look at. I was in that room and I was looking at those boxes and, and it was, it, it offered me such privacy, such intimacy with the moment. And then the rest of the blocking, you know, Bill was quite open to us organically finding about when she turns and, and all of that. And um, yeah, it was a lovely, a lovely shoot. And I got to thank our crew because it was like a very tight room. So ultimately when I did turn around and I did see 40 people, I mean, bless them. They were so still. I mean, I don't think anyone was even breathing. They really, they really, they really gave me a, a frozen tableau um, for ultimate privacy. And, and I was so grateful for that because it's not easy to do if you're holding a boom or, you know, you know, operating the camera. And yeah, they were so focused and it was, it was such a gift. I love that scene so much. So I'm going to end with this question. And like, I, I'm not even happy that I'm asking this at all because I don't want you to explain away the end of your performance there. But, you know, given what you just brought up with, you know, the the slight sense of joy she has in saying no, but then she gets in the car and there's just so much subtlety in the way you look at those flowers and just the expression on your face. And it just, it leaves me wondering, like, can can Sally ever be truly happy down to her core and satisfied with where she is in life and what she has? Oh, such a good question. I, you know, I think I just love that scene. When I when I read it on the page, I kind of thought, huh, I mean, no fireworks, no murder, no suicide, no, you know, like she's just in a car driving at night, you know, with these supermarket flowers on the passenger seat. And What's so beautiful about it is there is there is this like very simple contentment and it's, you know, we met this actress years ago who was ruthlessly ambitious and narcissistic and, you know, wanted to be a star and probably wanted an Oscar and all the accolades. And at the end of the day, she's left with a school production of Our Town and these kind of shitty, probably half dead flowers. And it may as well be an Oscar on that passenger seat. You know, there's like a contentment 
that sets in for her that is very pure and it's like a pure love of the art. So I thought that was beautiful. And at the same time, you know, we have the beat before that where she's saying goodbye to John in the parking lot. And we see a little glimmer of the old Sally where he says, I love you. And instead of saying, I love you too, she's like, was it good? It was good, right? Was it, you know, and it's this like, this little callback to this actress who still needs that external validation, who still sort of got this myopia and is in her own little tunnel of like, was I, was I good enough, you know? And, 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 and I, I thought it was so beautiful. It's like, she hasn't fully changed. There's, there's a piece of the old Sally still there and whether she's ever going to be fully okay or like suddenly become a really generous and honest person, I doubt it, <laughs> but she's definitely, further along in life and 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 there's a there's a joy and i think she like she loves her students it feels like and you know she's content and that that was satisfying and unexpected for this show in a season-long arc i just absolutely love when you can very much see the change of character experiences but still hold true to the person they were day one that makes the change more authentic more believable and it makes it something you can carry with you and maybe even feel inspired by after the show is over Yes, I love that. That's so right. I love that. I have to let you go. I could talk about this show all day no, long. You have to come back. I would love to come back. I would love to come back. This has been so enjoyable. Your questions are so thoughtful and I really appreciate it. It was like just lovely talking to you and lovely to think about the show and the character from new angles myself. So thank you. The quality of my questions has to match the quality of your show. So I'm glad you thought that. Again, congratulations on all of Barry. Thank you. Thank you so much. So lovely to talk. I'll see you soon, I hope. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.